another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who's looking really fancy in some glasses tonight, because we're having to shoot pretty late, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? I am, uh, I'm feeling rather pumped, feeling rather pumped right now, because we're, uh, we 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 stopped recording so we could watch a little bit of the Mariner game that's occurring here. So if you're if you're understanding what we're referring to, then um, you'll understand why I'm pumped. It's, so I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good, really good. Um, you know, I I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the trade deadline because uh, I don't know. I've been see, I've been hearing a lot of a lot of different wild thoughts on the trade deadline with the Mariners, but. Uh, yeah, Bo's referring to us watching the game. It was the ninth inning, so we might circle back around to that before the uh, the episode ends. But uh, it's looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. So before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to come back and listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. You know, obviously, if you're a returning listener, you know, if you're a first time listener, though, hey, thanks for choosing Forks Down, and hopefully, we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Um, Bo and I, this is episode number, I think, 58 right now. And, uh, you know, like I said, every week we're having fun with it. Um, you know, this is a team that both Bo and I love very dearly. And, you know, he's got season tickets and I grew up going to the ballpark. Um, he grew up going to the ballpark. I think your first game, right, Bo, was at the Kingdom, right? Uh, correct. Against the uh, Detroit Tigers. How, uh, how old were you? I believe I was seven years old. Yes, sir. Seven years yep. old would put you about 90, 97, 98? 97, 98. Yep, that's right. 97, 98. Yep. yep. So he grew up going there. I grew up going there. We just love this team. We're having fun doing this. So, you know, thanks for joining us on this ride. And, um, you know, hopefully you stick with us and, and you know, you learn something or, um, you know, or not even learn something. Just have fun listening to us. So. Um, if you haven't already, go hit, hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Um, just search Forks Down Podcast. Um, you can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app to get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you know, I, I know I listen to it on Spotify. Yes, I'm one of those people that listen to my own podcast. But, um, you know, I like to study it a little bit. But, you know, you can do that on Spotify. You can do that on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, or Apple Music, whatever it is um stitcher i think stitcher's going away but there's a bunch of them you know just hit like and subscribe you'll um get told when we drop new episodes sometimes i like to make mistakes too and drop them early so you'll get notified too when i drop them early but uh anyways both I, I feel like you didn't bring the stopwatch out i didn't see you get the stopwatch out so i feel like i did pretty good you know try to mix it up a little bit but um let's get into uh Mariners trade deadline review, you know, Mariners, uh, you know, normally this is just talking about moves, but we did make a pretty big move. And, uh, you know, depending on who you are, you either like it or you hate it. Um, you know, uh, Mariners, you know, got out of that series against the Diamondbacks. They took two or three and, uh, they pulled the old Kendall Graveman swap this time trading Paul Seawald to the D backs in return. The Mariners, got Dominic Canzone, Josh Rojas, and Ryan Bliss. And uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard a lot of mixed feelings on this trade, Bo. 
because Polly was a big part of this uh, this bullpen. You know, um, not to say we don't have a good uh, closer currently now with Andres Munoz, but um, you know, Polly P was was part of the team that brought playoff baseball back to uh, Seattle, and and uh, you know, it's it's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think Paul's story, and you know, I think how much he seemed to really like pitching here and being a part of the city of Seattle and everything else. Like, then seeing him go, it's. I think it's obviously, I think, sad for a lot of people, right? Um, I'm just uh, thankful that we got to, you know, have him. That we were able to kind of get that extra tap into that whatever extra level that he had, right? So. Um, very grateful for you know, everything Paul Seawald's been able to do for us. And then, you know, just seeing him, I think, blossom into the great closer that he's been. Um, you know, I think looking at the trade on its surface, right, it it makes sense for the sense of the Mariners have a lot of strength when it comes to their bullpen pitching. Um, if there's one thing um, that the bullpen does really well, um, or the Mariners do really well, it's developed pitching, right? I feel like every single time I listen to the broadcast now, they're talking about Gabe Spire talks about how the Mariners were able to kind of help him tap into the next level. And Trent Thornton, our new acquiree that we just got, talks about, you know, how the bullpen and hopefully the Mariners, you know, make him better, right? Um, it's the one thing the Mariners do well. So when that comes, right, there's going to be guys on, that eventually you're going to want to move to kind of get better players maybe not better players but like you know what i mean like you're trading from a strength and you're trying to you know fill a couple of gaps there right and i think it was just the situation was just open for the mayors to do that and um yeah i think we can kind of get into the return but i think to kind of sum up paul seawald right i'm just happy that we were able to get into pitch at for the mayors for the time that we did and you know hopefully he'll end up being you know a good one for the diamondbacks yep yep and he had a very um, I, I don't know if you guys follow him on social media, um, but he uh, he had a very, uh, very nice send off, you know, a thank you for Seattle, you know, because this was a Seattle was a big, uh, a big step for him. You know, he w- didn't do great with the Mets and the Mariners brought him in and turned him into a very, very good reliever. You know, one of the better ones in the league. You know, I wouldn't necessarily probably call him top tier, you know, but um, certainly was part of that, you know good to great tier there. Um, and so, um, you know, he was very thankful for Seattle kind of re- resurrecting his career. And, uh, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, you know, down the line, maybe the Mariners revisit signing him, you know, he's only, he's only got another year on his contract. Um, after 2024, he is a free agent. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that he could come back later on, but, um, you know, for what he did for this team, I'm I'm very thankful. Um, very very fun to watch. Very, um, very passionate about um, you know the spots he was always in, and uh, when he did well, you you saw how excited he would get, and um, you know if he didn't do well, he'd you know come back out the next game and and try to do better. So um, Paul will be missed, um, and uh, you know that's about. All I got to say on that, but, uh, both the return, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid return. Um, I know depending on which outlet you look at, you know, they, they'd certainly think the Mariners made the right move and got a, a heck of a return. You know, there hasn't been any, 
uh, failing grades, at least on the trade. I've seen some failing grades on their trade deadline movement. But um, what can you tell me? I, we, we saw Canzone a little bit um, in the Diamondback series because he won the game against the Mariners. Um, I think it was the second game. Um, I think Josh Rojas, I I don't think we saw in the series, um, you know, but was uh, for a while there a pretty solid prospect for the Diamondbacks. And then Ryan Bliss is a prospect um, that actually I think we saw at the Futures game. I think he played in the Futures game. But uh, what can you tell me about these three? Sure thing. So uh, <clears throat> Canzone is kind of a recently called up a uh, player for the diamondbacks. Um, I think he made his debut and uh, I want to say it was start of the month somewhere in the start of July. That is, but um, you know, he's just really hit the ball really well in his minor league career. Um, he kind of, he comes out of Ohio state. So, you know, guys that kind of come out of the big 10, I don't think get quite as much prospect love. Right. But um, he's just always hit. He's always hit for relatively decent averages. Never been a super high strikeout guy. Um, you know, I think between the last two years and in, in AAA, right. He's hit, you know, roughly between like 280 and 350 right there. Right. So like, he's just been, he's just been a really good hitter. I think during his time, I think the thing that, um, people, people say about him is he's kind of lengthy, right. Kind of link it. Like, like he looks like, he looks like, you know, a beanstalk, right. Like he looks, he's a smaller guy. It seems like from that standpoint. So I think that maybe that's why I didn't really add to his prospect pedigree in that standpoint. Right. But, um, he's always hit, he's been a left, he's a left-hander that left-handed bat that, um, I think the Mariners were probably kind of looking for with Jared Kelnick probably being out for a little bit, but also just, um, you know, this is a pretty right-hander heavy team as well. So mm-hmm. I think he fit that. Um, uh, I think, you know, Jerry and team kind of talk about him playing first base and I kind of wonder if they were hedging their bets a little bit because Ty France was also in talks to potentially move at one point during the deadline, but um, he did play first base in 2022. Hasn't played a whole lot of first base in 2023, but he can certainly do that. So um, he's probably the, I would, I would say probably the headliner just because we're able to slot him in, you know, somewhere higher in our lineup than, Rojas or um, obviously bliss is not going to be here for a little while, but probably the, probably the headliner of the deal. And then Josh Rojas. Um, uh, I, I don't want to go and say Abraham Toro esque, but somewhat Abraham Toro esque with Josh Rojas, at least his performance this season, um, a little bit older than when we got um, Toro on the team, obviously, but um, the last couple of years, Josh Rojas has been incredibly solid for the diamondbacks. Um you know, one and a half to a two and a half win player all the way up to, yeah, the two and a half wins almost last year. Um, roughly had a what, WRC plus of like 100, 102, 108 during that time. So was really solid the last couple of years. And that's kind of fallen off a little bit um, this season for the most part, um, you know, right around a, a 58 WRC plus. But I think the Mariners are just trying to see if they can maybe tap into something that, um, you know, he had to before. Um, and then Ryan Bliss, um, spoiler alert, that's who we're going to talk at kind of the end of the show today. But, um, you know, looks like a pretty good prospect. Hit hit the ball really well in double A this year. Um, kind of had a more of a breakout. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if he can continue that in, uh, in Tacoma where he got assigned to. So um, why don't I ask you first? What are, Give me your thoughts on, you know, we can kind of get maybe the trade, the deal in general and, um, you know, those guys and how you're feeling about kind of all of them as they've 
fit now um, into the Mariners roster. Well, I think I think it totally makes sense for the return they got. You know, Ken Zone can play all the outfield positions, and you know, like we like you said, can play a little bit of first base. And uh, Josh Rojas has a lot of versatility. I think he can play all four infield spots, and then the corner outfielder spots. Um, I I know they. I have heard a couple times on the broadcast that they like Jerry liked um, Jerry and Justin liked Rojas because of his versatility. Um, and it kind of makes sense that they got the return they did because, I mean, some of the other trades we're going to be talking about, well, one of the other trades we're talking about, you know, AJ Pollock and, and Mark Mathias went to the Giants and, you know, they didn't really get a return on them. It was for a player to be named later or cash, you know, so Dominic Canzone basically t- took AJ Pollock's roster spot, you know, and then the Mariners later on DFA'd Colton Wong. Well, there you go. You got Josh Rojas who hitting a little bit better than Wong has been been this season and he can play not only second but you can kind of move him around the infield so from that standpoint it makes sense i mean is it gonna hurt that hurt the bullpen a little bit that paulie's not gonna be in it anymore probably a little bit um you know you could probably if i'm a betting man you know probably one or two more losses come from that bullpen just because you're not seeing him in the ninth but that certainly doesn't make them any less of a contender you know, from what we've seen, um, the Mariners actually just closed out the game against the Angels. Andres Munoz was on the mound in the ninth. You know, after Brian Wu, you know, we, we'll talk about it probably at the next podcast, maybe a little at the end. But, you know, after Brian Wu, you know, gave up a couple runs, the bullpen came in and looked really good, you know. So, um, you know, kind of to circle back around with you, you, you said, you know, you're trading for – uh, you know, from one of the strengths of the team to try to do something with the offense. And I think he did that, you know, and especially, especially the, basically two of the three players are taking roster spots from guys that were underperforming. It makes complete sense. I'm happy with it. Do I wish they would have bought a little more or traded away someone like Teo or maybe Ty France? Probably, but they're also winning ball games. So it's really, it's really hard to say, oh, they should have traded them away, regardless if they're not doing well right now, you know, because as a team, they're winning ball games. So, yeah, I guess here's what I'll say is like I in the in the run up to the trade deadline, I was I was adamant and I feel like I said before, like I, I wasn't as big a fan of like a half measure move. Right. I said that up to the trade deadline and kind of continue to say that. And I, I, there's a part of me that feels like this is kind of that in a way, like this feels very reminiscent of us trying to, I guess I should say the team, right. Trying to throw some things against the wall and hopefully something sticks there. Right. Like mm-hmm. it does kind of feel like that, right. Canzone and Canzone and bliss is good prospects, right. They're not going to be top 10 prospects in your system. They weren't top 10 prospects in the diamondback system. Like, we're, we're just kind of hoping maybe one of these guys can pan out at some point. And um, I think that's fine. And maybe they will. Right. Um, but uh, I, I kind of feel like we have been down this path a little bit, right. With some guys, mm-hmm. right. You can go back to the season, right. We, um, you know, guys like uh, guys, you can go back to this season. You can go back to Abraham Toro's the, the prime example of this. We tried him out and didn't really work in the past. We've tried guys like, 
Shed Long. We've tried guys like Malik Smith. We've tried Cooper Hummel. Like we've tried some different things to kind of throw guys against the wall and it sticks and it just hasn't happened. So like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine with the deal. I think I'm going to, I want to give him time before I really say anything, but it also just kind of feels like we're, we're kind of throwing some darts against the wall and hopefully six and maybe something will. Right. So like, who am I to say that? But um, that's kind of my overall right. thought. There. I'm happy with the turn, happy with the turn. Feel like we got enough, a good quantity for it, but just, feel like we're we're hoping that Canzone pans out and I don't know if it's still time for us to put a lot of hope into things I guess right it's like go time I guess that's what I'm trying to say yeah certainly certainly you know and it, it they're going to realize that this offseason though when they go and trade or sign Shohei Otani you know they're they, they we know it's go time regardless if we make the playoffs this team's not getting any younger and we've got a great pitching staff let's bring in Shohei have him hit 50 bombs, win us 12 games, you know, win MVP, you know, it'll be good. I, I know that's what you're thinking. You know, I can <clears throat> You keep, keep, keep beating it. Keep beating. Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> no, I guess, let me ask you this question. Let me, let me ask you this question. So we're sitting here now after the game, right? This, uh, the Mariners are 50, now 57 and 52, I believe. And we're well within striking distance. Does this trade get made if this was a week earlier, right? Like, does this trade get made? Are we, would we still, would we still have made this trade if we were, you know, two and a half games out of the wild card and really looked like we were going to get it? Do you think this trade still gets made even if that happens there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. You said it at the start. The bullpen's been a, a strength for the Mariners. You know, I think. Of all the players in that bullpen that was going to get a return, I think Paulie Seawald was going to be the one that was going to get the return, you know? And, you know, it could feel like a half-measure trade, but also the two guys are replacing two guys that were very much underperforming. We can't do any worse than we got out of Pollock and Wong. So, I don't know. You're right. And like Jerry has said before, like there's nobody in triple a, there's nobody in double a that's going to help come and save the offense. Right. Even though the offense oh, yeah. has done a, the offense has done a pretty good job over the last couple of weeks, propping itself up. And mm-hmm. Jerry and team kind of did fill that with this. They did get a couple guys that yes, they are going to be at like Ryan bliss started in Tacoma. Uh, Dominic Canzone immediately comes in the starts. Rojas comes in. So like there have been a couple of guys now they can kind of bring in and hopefully somebody will help us there. But um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about us being here a year from now and just saying, you know, these guys are, you know, kind of throw them into the bucket of another group of guys like we've had in the past that just didn't pan out and probably way too early to get that now. And then probably the pessimistic view, but like, um, that's just kind of where I'm sitting with you're, it right you're now. You're pessimistic about it because it's happened over and over and over. It's almost the definition of insanity, right? I, well, I've made when, a list here. You... I've made, I've made a list here, right? It's so like Cooper Hummel, Malik Smith, Jake Fraley, Shedlong Jubier, Abraham Toro, Jake Bowers, Omar Navarez, Taylor Trimmel, Jason, Jesse Winker, like guys that we brought in that like Jesse Winker was probably more polished. Right. But like a lot of these guys, Oh, we just hope that they kind of panned out and they just really didn't. Right. Like Ty France is the exception. He's not the rule. Like Ty France was a guy that we kind of got into a throw in a trade and, his minor league numbers look good and he wasn't a top prospect, but he ended up being something like that's kind of what we're hoping out of some of these guys. Right. Like, and that's kind of, that's kind of what we're hoping to ha- get. Right. It's like a Ty France kind of breakout esque. So we'll see. Well, why do you got to besmirch the good name of Jake Fraley? 
He's doing something on the Reds this season. He's doing something on the Reds this season. Exactly. Yes. So there you go. There you go. He just couldn't hit in T-Mobile. Come on. Come on. Yeah. That's the, that's There's a the lot of guys that can't hit in T-Mobile. Ask Teoscar Hernandez. Um, anyways. Um, like I said, while we were talking about Polly Seawald there, Mariners did trade away AJ Pollock and Mark Mathias to the Giants for a player to be named later. They didn't get any return. Um, it was more kind of just a, I think a salary dump. And then, like I said, Mariners DFA Colton Wong. They did make one more trade. Um, two guys I didn't even know about Bo, <laughs> um, but Edward Basardo came to the Mariners from the Orioles and the Mariners traded away Logan Reinhardt. Can you tell me anything about what we got or what we shipped? Cause again, when I saw the move, I'm like, who are these two guys? And I'm not like a very, very much like a casual fan, but even I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I can tell you probably more about uh, Bizarro, um, Cause he kind of has, you know, good savant data on him. And uh, you're going to find this hard to believe, but um, he's a very slider uh, slider, heavy pitcher, right? Fitting does, the does, he have, does he have a sweeper? Two? Uh, it doesn't look like he has a sweeper, so it looks like it's a just a primarily a slider. So okay, um, okay. The Mariners continue their trend of uh, just slider pitchers all day, every day. So um, there's that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this is obviously just to kind of I think get more backfill for for your bullpen right at some mm-hmm. point. And he obviously went to Tacoma, but um, you know, just another kind of uh whatever you want to call it another uh <clears throat> another arrow down there that you can pull at some point in case you have a uh injury or something that comes up in your bullpen so um <clears throat> you had pretty good minor league numbers this year he is 27 years old but like has pitched pretty well in the triple a side of things for baltimore so only had only had three appearances for baltimore this year so with two innings didn't really look very good in those but hard to i think as, you know, discern a lot from that um, has looked relatively decent in kind of other years throughout his minor leagues time there, but primarily always been a reliever. So um, Logan Reinhardt um, also a reliever. It looks like the Mariners transitioned him to a reliever this year and having a really good season in Everett as a, as a really farm was kind of the closer down there. It looked like, so um, <clears throat> yeah, did look like a good relief arm um, that the Mariners kind of gave up. Um, but uh yeah, the, getting more getting more depth for you know whatever the whatever kind of happens in the bullpen. If there's one thing the Mariners do good, repeat this many times, it's the bullpen, and maybe we'll get we'll be able to tap into something but uh, more out of Bizarro, I think over the coming weeks if we get a call up or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> a look around some of the other trades that happened within the AL West. Um, you know, the last podcast we talked about shares are going to Texas. Um, Justin Verlander, the Mets continue to sell off players. Because Justin Verlander went back to Houston. Um, yeah, certainly bring Verlander in, please, so we can tee off on him. Um, and then the Angels traded, uh, and I'm not going to get into what they returned, but they acquired quite a few players. Uh, CJ Crone, uh, Randall Grichuk, um, Lucas Giolito, and Ronaldo Lopez. I think we talked about that in the last podcast. And then uh, there's someone I'm blanking on here. They acquired one more person. Um, it was, ah, well, it'll come to me. It was probably very, 
very much insignificant. But uh, they're doing everything they can to try to keep Shohei. Obviously, they want to show Shohei that they can um, field a winning team. Didn't happen tonight. Um, Kid Marlowe ruined their night. But, um, you know, so they're making moves. Houston's obviously have pitching troubles with everyone kind of going down for the season. So they brought back Verlander, Scherzer, you know, uh, I think they also acquired, Texas acquired another pitcher too that's not coming to mind. And we talked about last time, but, you know, every team's getting better in the AL West. And it just, I don't know, it's so weird not seeing the Mariners make one move, another one that was kind of insignificant and, and not doing much else outside of that, you know? Yeah, the uh, the Rangers got it was Jordan Montgomery was the other yeah. one, and then uh, the Angels got Dominic Leone, former former Mariner. So, oh right, um, right, right. We yeah, see, we didn't see him tonight, did we? Uh, I have to go back to the box score. I don't remember. I don't remember. We got to the we got Shoya came out early with a blister, so there was a couple. No, guys not not a blister. There, he had cramps. He had cramps. Cramps. Sorry, cramps sorry, sorry. My bad. But anyways, um, yeah, the AOS continues to kind of get better. And I think there was a, I think there's a strong case to be made that the Mariners didn't really do enough at the deadline to kind of help keep pace with that, which makes me just wonder, I don't know. It, it just makes me wonder <clears throat> um, what Jerry and Justin kind of think of this team, right? Like Jerry and Justin have always been super realistic about the Mariners, I feel like, and particularly Jerry, that is right. Like 2021, we were still a good baseball team, but we kind of did the same thing where we tried to trade Kendall Craven. End of 2018, we were a pretty good baseball team, made a run of the, at the playoffs that year. The athletics got really hot and we were a good baseball team, but they were really realistic and said, we need to rebuild this team. Right. And just makes me think that realistically, they don't really, I don't want to say they want to, they didn't want to invest in the team, but it just seems like there were other things out there that they could have done to maybe in, like increase this team just even by a little bit. And we didn't really, I don't want to say pursue it. It didn't really seem like, right. Like I just kind of thought that maybe there were some things out there and I'm not going to get super upset that we didn't go trade for Jeremy Candelario or, um, you know, I kind of, the other guys that were out there, even like CJ Crone or Randall Gritchick. I'm not going to get super upset because I don't think a lot of those guys are going to move the needle a whole lot, but I think that there were probably were a couple other one or two things they could have done um, to maybe, you know, bring in somebody that, you know, would just be like an average player for us down the stretch. Right. Somebody that could just fill a DH hole. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to get super upset because it's not like we had a big, big acquisition that we could have gone at this deadline and get, but there were some things that I think we probably could have done to kind of help the lineup. I think Lake led us for the rest of the season. So I don't know. I don't really know how they're feeling about the roster right now, I guess. I don't really know how they're feeling about the team. I don't know if they're taking the the first half performance and they're saying we're going to regress at the second half at some point, right? I don't really know how they're kind of what's the calculus that's going into this team right now from the Jerry and Justin side. Yeah, and it, like I said, it has you know, it, it can't be easy to, you know, a couple weeks before the deadline going, I think we might sell and then you know, after that Detroit series, they go on a, a run of win and four straight series, you know, it, and then, you know, having to flip in the last couple of days and say, okay, we're, we're not necessarily selling, you know, I mean, there was multiple, multiple reports that said Teo and France and, you know, other players were on the trade block, but I mean, you can't force a trade, 
you know, like, you know, you don't want to trade those guys for a bag of baseballs. You want to get something in return. So obviously something didn't pan out. Um, you know, people don't like hearing this, but I almost want to just say, just in Jerry, you know, see what's going on. You know, he obviously has a method to his madness because he got us back to the playoffs last season. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to see and it'll be an interesting rest of the season. It really will be. There's <laughs> after tonight's game, I think they're what two and a half out of the last wild card spot. I mean, they're, yeah. they're there. They're winning ball games. So, and I think I saw a stat that if the Mariners, I mean, obviously this would be really hard to do, but the Mariners win take every series up until the season ends. I think they can end up with 92 wins, which I think would be good enough to make the wild card, you know, but, uh, I don't. Yeah. And I think there's a number of teams like the Mariners right now have a better run differential than the blue Jays. They have a better run differential than the Yankees. Like those are two teams that like certainly the Yankees are scuffling, right? We just beat Boston two out of three. Um, the angels will just beat them tonight. We'll see how the rest of this kind of big four game series goes, but um, the rays are looking like they might lose McClanahan maybe for the rest of the year. That's, you know, we don't think we really know a whole lot, a lot there yet, but like the rays are continuing their kind of scuffling that they did through the month of July. Like there's a lot of vulnerability in the AL right now. Right. And the Mariners are the team that are kind of benefiting a lot from it because they're playing really good baseball. So um, I guess I'll say, Maybe there should have been another thought to maybe buy maybe some more at the deadline. I guess that's what I'll just say. Right. Again, not going to get super upset because we didn't get a big name because I didn't feel like there's a lot of big names out there. But maybe there should have been a counter thought there at some point of us maybe trying something else. I guess that's what I'm ultimately trying to say. So there you go. You brought up Boston and that's who we're going to talk about, you know, in our review because we just beat them. But, you know. There are crazy fans in the Mariners fan base that like you just watch, look at their what they write or what they say and you're just like, man, you are way off base, you know. But like you take our crazy fans and they don't compare to like the whole Red Sox fan base. I don't know if you saw like MLB trade rumors when they'd make a move or whatever. When when Colt Wong got DFA'd, I think Boston got tagged because Boston hat with interest in him or something <laughs> like man boston's fans hate their gm shane bloom hate him with a fiery passion and like i i can almost tolerate the mariners the extremist in the mariners fan base than just looking at the the casual fans for the red Sox because some of what they say is pretty terrible well, um, you know, they kind of let Xander go in the off season. I think that rubbed people along or, or the wrong way. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's also an old, it's also an old team and they've won a lot. Right. So you can see that, but, uh, yeah, no, I saw on, on that note, right. In terms of GMs, I saw a, I saw a change.org petition today to replace Brian Cashman. So you can also probably add the Yankees to that to that list as well. So there you go. Of course we did. Yeah, of course we saw something like that. Oh boy. Anyways, but let's get into the the Red Sox series here. Um, again, very very good series for the Mariners. 
Um, they took two out of three, and it started off pretty good in game one. Um, you know, I think the score, it was two to six, six to two. Mariners win. Um, George Kirby got the bump started. And, uh, you know, Kate seven, he did walk two, which is unlike him. and only had one earned run. Um, you know, and, and the Red Sox made him pitch a lot, but um, kind of minimized the damage out there and, and looked pretty good for the most part. Um, only got through five because they had a lot of long at bats. And I know that was mentioned the game, the next game, you know, um, the announcers were joking like they were, you know, eight, 10, 12 pitch at bats against Kirby, but to walk out of there with only one earned run was uh, pretty solid to him. Yeah, definitely very solid. And I, um, you know, George Kirby and, you know, Logan Gilbert's the kind of the next one we'll talk about. Well, we've got Miller and then we'll, we'll talk about Gilbert, but um, both those guys have just been pitching um, just very solid. I would say recently. Right. I know. I think Kirby has had maybe a couple ups and downs here and there, but like, they're pitching fairly well enough to just kind of always give their teams relatively good chances to win games. And, uh, you know, with the way that the Mariners offense has been playing, right. This is kind of the way that we intended this team to be back, back in May. Right. It was just like that. We knew the pitching was going to be good and the offense can just score us five, six runs a game. We're going to end up usually winning that game. Right. And that's kind of an example of this one. Another one that we had in the series. So, um, yeah, I think pitch just solid enough, I think in this game to kind of, you know, help us, I think get to the point of where we're able to win it, especially with just the way the offense is playing. But, uh, yeah, Kirby was very fastball heavy in this game. Um, you know, primarily relied upon his kind of his fastball and his two seamer as well. Um, didn't, uh, you know, generated, I think about 12 whiffs in this game. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think did just enough, um, you know, in Boston, I think credit to them kind of working his pitch count up, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the fact that we also have that good bullpen on top of it kind of help supply and, you know, help Kirby out in this one. Um, it all kind of was a came together as a good pitching performance. Yep. Yep. Kirby's final line on the day, five innings pitched four hits, one run that run was earned. Like I said, did have two walks, which is unlike him, but had seven K's. And then, uh, you know, they turned it over to the bullpen, and and I think this game is a good example of, you know, we traded off Paul Seawald, and, you know, our bullpen still shined, you know. Gabe Spire came in, pitched an inning, had given up two hits, but, you know, didn't have any runs come across. Matt Brash, who ended up getting the win, uh, went one in the third inning, didn't have strikeouts, didn't have any walks, didn't give up any hits, didn't give up any runs, but uh, did what he needed to do, looked good. Sacedo came in, got a hold, his first hold of the season, surprisingly, in a third of an inning. <laughs> um, did give up one hit and one base on balls. That led to Munoz coming in. He went a third of an inning, had one strikeout to get us out of the eighth. And then Isaiah Campbell came in the ninth. You know, if we want to talk about maybe a little bit, um, I wouldn't even call it like a, a bad mark, but... Um, Campbell did give up two hits and one run, which was earned, but did strike out one. Um, you know, cool to see him get turned two in the ninth. I know it wasn't a safe situation, but um, overall, very good pitching performance from the Mariners. Um, and then moving on to the offense, um, it was the Cal Raleigh show, and he seems to be picking it up a little bit. Um, had two home runs, one in the second inning off Pavetta to kind of get the Mariners on the board. And then hit one in the seventh inning, and I, 
Correct me if I'm wrong here, Bo. Did he chase Pavetta with that? I can't remember. I know I was watching, but I can't remember if Pavetta went on after him or if um, Jaquez came in and, uh, you know, Jaquez went two and a third and gave up three runs after Pavetta got pulled. Uh, so yeah, Pavetta came on in the A. So Pavetta was Pavetta had a pretty low pitch count in this one, so he lasted I think until uh, I think a Cade Marlowe double in this one in the eighth. So yeah, Cade Marlowe double that chased him. Anyways, Cal Raleigh had a big part in probably him getting chased, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, good solid. Let's see, solid performance from Cal Raleigh. Offense only generated eight hits, but um, uh. <laughs> they went three for five with runners in scoring position and only left on three. So when they were getting on base, they were bringing them around, you know, and uh, let's see, JP, Julio, Gino, Cal, obviously, Teo, Tom, Cade, all had hits. So the only ones not to have hits in uh, Monday's game was Ty France and Jose Caballero. So pretty balanced offense. We're bringing runners around and, uh, yeah, we're in the midst, you know, I, I know the broadcasters have brought it up a few times, Bo, but we're in the midst of a uh, a uh, good Geno run because this was, let me do the math here. This was game number, game number five that he had an RBI in. Um, you know, after tonight's game, we're shooting on Thursday night uh, against the Angels. He has now tied the club record. He's had nine straight games with a... Uh, with an RBI tied with Edgar. So, uh, you know, outside of Cal, good to see Gino get an RBI. Good to see Cade hit the ball pretty well, get a get a hit, get a double. Um, you know, so the offense, like you said, did what they needed to do to, you know, get the Mariners to a victory. Yeah, sorry, I was counting real quick. But, yeah, no, the offense, and it just continues, right, in terms of just the offensive performance of things. I was counting it here. But, like, over the last 30 days, we have nine guys that have WRC pluses over 100. Um, it just uh, it just, it just continues. That's just the best way to put it, right? Like, everybody's kind of hitting the ball right now, hitting it pretty well, um, maybe save for, I think, Ty France in some parts. But, um, yeah, I think, the, I think the team is just – pretty locked in. I think this game was, uh, was a good example of that, but I would be remiss if I didn't call out JP Crawford making the, the kind of the, the, a great catch kind of end the game in this one. So, um, I think everything's just kind of, this is kind of feeling like the team that we wish it was right. And it's just really fun to watch. We're just playing tight baseball. We're playing good offensively. We're playing good defensively. We coupled that with our good pitching staff and it's just a lot of fun to watch. So this is a good game for that. Yep. Yep. I, 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 actually would say that this whole series was a good good series to watch for that um even in the second game where they lost six to four you never really thought that the mariners were out of it you know even in the ninth inning you thought they had a shot you know um i don't know and, and we're gonna move on did i say saturday's game i meant tuesday's game you do that I all the time i know i'm really time. good at that i just wish all games were played on weekends god i'm just kidding um <laughs> You know, moving on to Tuesday's game here. Um, <laughs> does Brian Bale have the Mariners number? I just, I just saw and I forgot about it. He picked up the win. So I think he's 2-0 and against the Mariners. And he's 2-0 and with nine walks in those two starts. <laughs> so um, I feel like he's got the Mariners number a little bit. But Mariners ended up losing 6-4. to Like I said, Brian Bale 
picked up the win for Boston. Bryce Miller took the loss. Um, not a particularly good outing from Bryce. Um, he did give up six earned runs off of seven hits, only went five and two thirds innings, blocked a couple, had four Ks, gave up two home runs, and inflated his ERA a little bit. That brought his ERA up to a uh, 4.35. Yeah, and I think after his last start, I was. I think I said something like, uh, you know, seven, I like the seven strikeouts more than the four home runs. Like I kind of like that a little bit more, but I think I, I think I couple that last start with this one and I'm maybe kind of changing my tune there a little bit. Um, yeah, I can't really tell if it's, do you think, do you think it's, do you think it's people just kind of figuring out the fastball right now? Like, do you, do you think that's kind of what it is? It's just that they know it's coming and they know it's going to be a good one. Like, do you think that's kind of what's going on right now? I, I, that's what I think it is. I mean, at one point, what game was it that he had like 80% fastball usage? What every right. team going forward should have saw that and said, just wait on the fastball. He's going to throw it, you know? Yeah. And I, I haven't, I haven't taken a closer look enough. Look at it's like a spin on it. I haven't really, I've assumed that his spin really hasn't changed too much, but that's the thing that's kind of kept it elite for the whole entire season is just the spin rate on it. But um yeah i think you just gotta wonder now if um if guys are just kind of figuring out and just kind of participating in and preparing for it a little bit more because uh yeah uh six home runs and two games is it six home runs in two games and seven home runs in three games i think is uh is real real tough real real tough so um tough for bryce in this one yeah and uh you know after he got pulled Again, the bullpen looked pretty well, and it was two guys that weren't in the last game. Uh, Trent Thornton came in, pitched uh, two and a third innings, only gave up one hit in the, you know, two and a third innings, had three strikeouts. His ERA, (laughs) I don't know if he hasn't, it's got to be because he hasn't pitched a lot this season in the major leagues, but his ERA is only a 1.17. So um, I think we're going to classify that probably, you know, in a couple weeks that Trent Thornton was a pretty good pickup. You know, a pretty good bullpen arm that, um, you know, could be effective, could be not going to go as far as to say a Paul Seawald replacement, but, you know, someone he's got a sweeper, so maybe he is a Paul Seawald replacement, but someone that's going to probably come in and give some big innings for the Mariners. And then uh, Devin Sweet uh, came in for the ninth inning and only gave up one hit, struck out one, didn't have anyone come across, so he lowered his ERA a little bit, looked pretty good. Um, did you, were you watching the broadcast in the ninth inning, Bo? Uh, I was not in this one. No, they were very, very much talking about how Devin sweet is the barber of the team. Um, I guess, uh, everyone was getting haircuts by him in spring training. Hmm. So, um, obviously probably a pretty well-liked guy in the clubhouse, but, uh, good to see him kind of turn out, turn around and have a, a better outing this time than, say his first couple outings so um um, looking offensively uh you know we this was was this ken zone's first game this was ken zone's first game this was uh josh rojas's first game and i think ken zone fared a little bit better than rojas in this game um ken zone picked up his first hit as a mariner um that hit ended up leading to a run so already contributing at a pretty pretty solid pace 
Um, Josh Rojas went 0 for 4, had two strikeouts. So not not a great um, debut from him. Um, taking a look at other uh, members offensively, uh, Jose or uh, Jose Julio Rodriguez went one for five, did have two Ks. Um, Cal went over to Ty France. You know, we say it seems like the games the Mariners are losing. Ty France has like multi-hit games. <laughs> he went he went three for four, had a double, his twenty-sixth double of the season. Um, Mike Ford went 0 for 4 with 2Ks. Rojas, like I said, 0 for 4, 2Ks. Cade Marlowe had a multi-hit game, went 2 for 4, had a run. Um, I, you know, we need to keep putting him in the lineup because he's looking good, especially after tonight. You know, so. And then, uh, the person I skipped over intentionally, but, uh, you know, has probably been, um, the best part of the Mariners offense, at least since the start of July, um, Gino, Gino Suarez went two for four in this game, um, had one run, three RBIs. Um, I think those RBIs came in a home run, if I'm not mistaken. So big three run home run did strike out twice, but, um, you know, as you put in the notes here, he's, he's looking pretty good and continues to kind of have a stretch. Yeah. I, you know, look like the, we have, we talk about the offensive players from last year, like we, we put Eugenio up there as um, <clears throat> probably the most valuable offensive player, at least the next to Julio. Right. And he's been showing that um, over the last, certainly the last 30 days and just seems to kind of be in a groove. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just like the mayor's offense in general, but he's kind of, I feel like been leading the charge for a lot of it. Um, so yeah, I think six six home runs over his last, I think, 30 days. Um, the power surge just kind of seems to be back. And, uh, yeah, 146 WRC plus. And, um, yeah, he's just kind of leading the charge right now for the offense. Um, I would say so. I think Canzone, I do think on the Canzone side of things, um, he did hit the ball really well in this game. I will give him that. So, like, we did see him, you know, I think put some balls harder into play. I think the strong double in this one. Um, so, very positive from that side, I think, on the Canzone side of things. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Certainly was. And Gino, um, you know, if, if you're a longtime listener of the Forks Down podcast, um, at the end of the season last season, um, we had a podcast where we kind of talked about, you know, who potentially were the Mariners' MVPs of the season, both kind of pitching and hitting, you know, breaking down the team. And we – we felt last season that um, after last season, Gino was kind of the unsung hero of the ball game, the ball team. Jeez, I, I'm screwing up my words here, Bo. Of the ball club, um, he was the unsung hero. Um, you know, he he didn't have a very good average, but um, had a, a fair amount of big home runs um, for the ball club, and and had some clutch RBIs that won them some ball games. And I feel like we're starting to see that now where he's starting to turn it on a little bit. And he's kind of that player that we saw for, I would say a good majority of last season, be that guy that you could rely on to come up and, you know, he might strike out one, two, three times a game, but in clutch situations, he'd come up and, and deliver a big base hit, you know? So, and, and, you know, that's something, you know, that I don't think is talked about enough with Gino, but, um, you know, it would get a lot more traction if we didn't have guys like Matt Chapman in the AL 
but he's playing very good defense at third. You know, that's probably a better part of his game at this point right now. He was known as a bat first guy coming over from Cincinnati. Like if you would have asked me if we had this podcast around the time that this trade happened last season, I would have said, oh, we got Gino Suarez because he can belt 40 home runs a season. You know, but he's coming in and he's putting in not only good work at the plate, but good work in the field as well. And I feel like if uh, the AL didn't have someone named Matt Chapman, who has, what, two, three platinum gold gloves at this point, like he would be in the running for a gold glove. Yeah, definitely. Right. If you had, you know, if uh, I would say, you know, if you're coaching a little league team or something, right. And you were like, who do I need to watch to like get my defense better? Right. Like Eugenio is absolutely a guy to do that. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for, I'm a sucker for good third base and he plays some of the best in the league. So, um, yeah. And like, I think he's been adding to this kind of just complete package that the Mariners have had, right. Of some of the best baseball that they've been playing the last 30 days good offense, good defense. And I think Gino's at the, at the heart of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he's gonna, if if the Mariners are going to make a run to the playoffs, if they're going to make the playoffs this season, Gino is going to be a big part of that going forward. He's got to be, he's got to be that middle of the order guy that could come up and, and really, you know, get, you know, when, when JP gets on base, they need to get him around. Gino's got to be that guy. So, um, you know, kind of moving on here from Tuesday's game because it was a tough loss. You know, you go into game three, every, you know, every series, you're going to hear everyone say this, and we're no exception. Every series is a series you need to win. You know, so they went into Wednesday's game needing a win. And um, it, it took them a little bit. It it took until, if I'm bringing up, as I'm bringing up the box score here, took until the late innings, but uh, the Mariners were able to pull out a six to three victory because of four runs in the seventh, you know, and uh, Matt Brash picked up another win. He picked up two of the three wins, you know, the two wins in this series against the Red Sox. He, he had him um, losing pitcher was John Scribner, Scribner, Schreiber, however you say his name, John Schreiber. It's probably Schreiber. Um, and then Andres Munoz getting his first taste as the uh, de facto closer, getting a save his third save of the season. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we had a good, good effort from George Kirby in game one and, and Logan Gilbert came in in game three and, um, you know, had some tough Red Sox at bats, but, uh, fared pretty well, did give up three runs, all three of them earned, but went six innings, only gave up five hits, only gave up one long ball, had three walks, five Ks, but, um, that he, he pitched to keep us in the ball game. That's all we need from the pitchers. You know, if they have a good outing. Or a great outing, great. You know that just means, you know we're likely going to win. But the the pitchers just need to keep the Mariners in the ball game, and I, I felt like that's what uh, Gilbert did here. Yeah, I mean the I like to grade the game score metric that is used by like Bill James, right? How it just grades pitchers out. Um, you know, fifty two is kind of where a play fifty is kind of where a player starts and to start the game with and then it kind of fluctuates based upon you know the runs they give up and the you know the walks and the strikeouts that they have and um you know this start from logan gilbert his last start were right at 52 so like these starts weren't eye-popping by any means but they were you know i would say just good enough starts and uh um 
this was just uh yeah an absolute just good enough start three on runs um couple walks but a couple strikeouts and he did exactly what kind of what his job was to help the team i think win this one right again you know if they give up only three runs in this game that should be enough to win a ball game and it was in this one and uh yeah, I think Logan Gilbert is just being I, I, just a steady Eddie, right? He's just been the guy the last couple starts. It just feels like we're able to give him the ball, and it's just getting to a point where it feels like we're going to have a chance to win every single game that he pitches. So, um, do, you, do you think that makes it a little easier, especially for us fans, that we didn't trade him this trade deadline? Um, I think it makes it. I think it makes it a little. Yeah, it makes it a little easier might be a little tougher come the off season. Um, but, uh, yes, it looks, uh, yeah, it looks very good that we didn't trade him. I think for the fact that he is just, uh, yeah, just incredibly consistent. The last couple starts and just seems to be, I think coming into his own as a, as a starting pitcher. Yep. Um, when Gilbert left, he left, you know, after giving us six strong. So the seventh inning, um, you know, Matt Brash came in, it was, let me see, was it a tie? Mariners were losing three two. Matt Brash came in in the seventh or the yeah the seventh inning, pitched an inning, struck out two, looked pretty good. Um, then Gabe Spire came in, Justin Topa came in after as well. Um, they pitched the uh, eighth inning. They combined for the eighth inning. Both of them got a hold. It was eleventh hold for Spire, seventeenth hold for Topa. And then, like I said, Munoz came in for the ninth, pitched an inning, had two strikeouts. Um, and this, you know, all this. It, came up because Mariners were able offensively to score four runs in the, in the seventh and that's seventh inning. You know, I know there's been innings Bo, where the Mariners have scored more runs in an inning, but do you think that seventh inning against the Red Sox was probably the best inning the Mariners played all season? Just, just from the sheer needing to keep the line moving, you know, knowing how big, you know, this series win would be, you know, we got, we got some phenomenal stuff from, you know, Cade coming in having a pitch hit, really good pinch hit. Julio stealing home in the seventh inning. Maybe not the best seventh inning, right? But maybe the most fun. Um, like inning 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 entirely from the season. Yeah. You, is that what you're saying? No, the very good inning, very good inning. Probably recency bias, but tonight's inning against the Angels was also pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, no, uh I think you're right on, right? It starts with a walk from from Canzone and then um yeah, it just keeps the line moving. Um, and I think that the one of the things that goes in that point of also being just a very good inning is just that the Red Sox do have a relatively good bullpen, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to get to a couple of those guys and I think they faced three relievers in this one inning was uh, incredibly solid. And um, yeah, very good. I think we had, we had steals in this inning. We had just basic singles, right? But like just kept the line moving, scoring the runs and kind of, you know, doing the basic things, right? We didn't try to play a whole lot of quote unquote hero ball. It didn't look like we were trying to press a whole lot in this inning. So like, that's what, that's what I kind of took away from it. And uh, yeah, very good inning of baseball. We'll have to do an analysis of which, uh, which inning was our best from out the year, but this was up there. Certainly, certainly was up there. Um, you know, I, I'd be very reminiscent, you know, we're going to talk a lot about this seventh inning probably going forward, but um, you know, a big, Big start to it was Cal Raleigh getting his home run run on the inning before in the sixth inning off of John Schreiber. Um, one of the best at bats he's had this whole season goes 10 pitches, um, you know, fighting things off. And uh, if I'm 
you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Bo. Fastball down, and he swatted it out to right field and hit a home run. His 17th home run of the season, it ties Julio for the team lead. Um, he is certainly, not only does he own the Red Sox, but he seems to own Toronto as well. I think that's two teams he loves facing because he's hitting a lot of bombs off off them the last two seasons. Yeah, the the AL East is yeah. Um, uh, I think Cal does a, Cal does a good job against those teams. So um, yeah, just seems like a guy that's uh, incredibly locked in right now, right? If the All Star game would have happened a month later, probably would have been in it. So there you go. Yep. And it's it's funny because it's like. Cal's starting to heat up and you're like, man, he needs to start behind the dish more or, or whatever. But like Tom Murphy has been, I think one of the best Mariners hitters in the last couple months too, you know? So that's not a bad problem to have, you know, you just need to put one of them at DH now, you know, it kind of forces Mike Ford out, but Mike Ford's been striking out a lot, but you know, Tom Murphy in this game went three for four and with the three for four raised his average to 300. You know, I, I think I mentioned last podcast episode where if you lowered the amount of minimum plate appearances um, to, I think it was 130 at the time, Tom Murphy would be second in, in WRC plus among catchers throughout the league. So, I mean, he's doing a very good job. Cal's doing a very good job. And those are two other guys that are going to need to continue to be hot for the Mariners to make this push to the playoffs. The playoffs are not out of the realm of possibility as much as we wanted to say we wanted to be sellers or as much as you thought we were out of it. We've never really been out of it, even when we were 500 and playing 500 baseball for four months. You know, we've never been out of it. And, you know, we said it with Gino. We're going to say it with Cal and we're going to say it with Tom. You know, these are three players that really need to continue to get hot to push this Mariners team to another level. Nope. Fully agree. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're living through it right now. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, we'll see if the good times keep, keep rolling there. Yep. Yep. Um, a couple other stats here before we, we finish up our, our series review here. Mariners in this game went four for 10 with runners in scoring position. 400 average isn't bad by any means. The best hitters in the league, the best hitters of all time only hit the ball three out of 10 times. So, um, team runner or team left in on base. It was six. Um, so not too high, not too bad either. And, uh, the other one I wanted to mention here, uh, Ty France granted it into another double play. Um, I looked it up though. Actually, I saw someone posted it. Um, Ty France now is second. I don't know if it's the AL or all the MLB. I think it's all the MLB. Um, He's hit into 18 double plays this season, which is second. I have a little trivia question for you, both, because maybe you're looking at it now. Maybe you pulled it up and looked at it. Who is number one on that list? So is it George Springer? It is not George Springer. I think he's on the list, but he's not. He's not number one. I'm going to give you a couple hints here. Okay. I'll give you the division he plays in. AL Central. And the second hint's probably going to give it away to you. It's a player you majorly dislike. That I majorly dislike. AL Central. Who's in yep. the AL Central? Uh, is it Carlos Correa? Bingo. Yes, it is. 
He's got 20. So that's the only silver, silver lining to Ty being second with 18 double plays is Carlos Correa has hit 20 of them. So. That's a good silver lining. That's a very good silver lining. So yeah, I'll take yes, it. Yes, yes. But again, that was what I didn't look this look at this. Ty France went. Did he go over in this game? I think he went over. He went as I'm looking at it right now. He did go over. So in a game that the Mariners won, he did not have any offensive redeeming redeeming offensive qualities. But in games they lose, he has multi hit games. <laughs> make it make sense, Bo. Make it make sense. Make it make um, sense. 2023 Seattle Mariners. There you go. <laughs> That's the. When we're talking about season, the end of the season, regardless if they, we make the playoffs or not, I think that's going to be our tagline. Make it make sense to me, please. <laughs> so, um, Mariners are in a very, very big series, um, you know, against the Angels. They had a three-game. That Boston series was at home, so they came home for a quick three-game homestand. But um, they traveled to... Anaheim tonight and to face off against the angels. And, um, you know, I, I don't really want to talk much about game one because, you know, we've got a whole nother episode coming up next week and I want to do a full review. Um, I will say that the Mariners did win game one. They beat Shohei Otani. Um, Shohei obviously didn't pick up the loss. Um, you know, we'll talk about who picked up the loss in the game, but kid Marlowe had a big hit. And Brian Wu, up until the sixth inning, had a good outing. So, game one was a win. But now we're going to talk about the other three games real quickly and just preview them because we are running pretty long here tonight, Bill. Um, Friday's game, Luis Castillo against Reed Detmers. Um, very winnable ball game because I think Reed Detmers is very up and down type of pitcher. Um, you know, he'll have one outing where he'll, you know, get six, seven strikeouts, pitch seven strong, and then he'll have another outing where I feel like the wheels fall off. And the reason I know that off the top of my head, Bo, is because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> Very hit or miss on my fantasy team. Um, Saturday is George Kirby versus Tyler Anderson. Um, that's going to be a very good matchup, I, th- I think. Um, George Kirby just gives you a chance to win the ball game every time. And then uh, Sunday's game, you don't have Sunday's game up here, Bo. You forgot to put Sunday's probables, but assuming that Gilbert went game three against the Red Sox and looking who already pitched, I think taking the bump for the Mariners will be Bryce Miller. And I don't know who he'd be facing, so maybe you can fill that in for me. Yeah, so I've got it now. It's Chase Silseth on Chase Silseth. Silseth on uh, the great name. That's a classic baseball name, right? Having a having a relatively decent season, um, but uh, still a zero win war player. So um, you know, I still think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for the Mariners to come away with a win in this one. Yep, yep. And the Angels are without Mike Trout right now. I don't think he is even close to returning. Maybe you can quote me on that. I think that's right. I haven't I haven't followed Trout news in a while, so I think that's so, right. But, yeah. yeah, it's just good that he's not playing against the Mariners this series. Um, Shohei did have a home run, his 40th home run in game one. So obviously the Mariners going forward are going to have to minimize damage a little bit against Shohei. But if he can do that, these are, these are well, now three very winnable and very almost must-win games. If we can walk out of Anaheim with a sweep like... 
that might put, I'm not going to say that's going to put the angels out of contention because there's still quite a bit of baseball left, but that would be a huge blow to the angels. And that would be a huge rise for the Mariners, especially like you said, Bo, with kind of everyone in the AL East kind of spinning their tires right now. Yeah. And I mean, Boston and Toronto are starting a series, I think tomorrow, Boston, Toronto, right? So like those are guys that they're going to kind of cannibalize themselves to us to help us, you know, at least propel ourselves a little bit. The Yankees playing the Astros. We can get help there in a lot of different ways. So um, incredibly important series. If we sweep this series, um, who knows where we could be at, right? But uh, we'll uh, we'll just see. And hopefully the, hopefully the team continues to play at a high level. And um, yeah, we can kind of get some timely wins from... <clears throat> couple other teams to help us propel us a little bit so uh yeah i'm excited to see where we'll be by come monday what uh what matchup are you looking forward to in this uh series bo um probably george kirby versus versus tyler anderson i think that's probably the probably the one that i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to kirby kind of he's had he's had decent starts for the most part in the last couple games maybe a couple games where he gave up a couple too many earned runs so i'm kind of looking for kirby to kind of have a more dominating start i think in this one Certainly, Bo. Certainly think he could. I mean, it, we've got all the makings right now of a, a very dominant series. Comeback win is only going to help us in the next couple of days, you know? So, all right, Bo. Um, I know we're, we're running hot here, but uh, I, I really, I'm really interested to hear this prospect corner. So, Bo, take it away. Yep. So, we're going to talk about Ryan Bliss here. Um Ryan Bliss, uh, uh, newly acquired via the via the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was a second round pick back in 2021. Um, I uh, I I feel like everybody likes to point out that he's relatively a smaller guy. He is five foot six, one sixty five, but um, <clears throat> you know, still hit three fifty eight, four fourteen, four five forty, five ninety four with. Uh, the Diamondbacks and the double A this year. So like the numbers were there was a high round draft pick. So like, I think the pedigree is there for, for something and him for tap into something, um, you know, in only 13 games, he did struggle as soon as he got kind of promoted to triple A, but um, I think it's hard to try to attach a lot to that right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, after the Mariners trade got assigned to Tacoma, which that kind of surprised me a little bit. I was kind of thinking that he might end up going back to might may might end up going back to double A in Arkansas, but um, the Mariners did assign him to uh, Tacoma, and I think him as a prospect, um, I think everybody kind of looks at him as like this speedy kind of smaller, I would say, middle infielder, probably more set for like second base. It would seem like. Um, but I think he kind of projects to kind of hit for a decent average for the most part. You may not get as much power as you want out of him, just maybe some of his smaller size, but, um, I think there's a decent chance that he kind of ends up being a, a decent middle infielder for the Mariners. Um, you know, I think his prospect number kind of ranks probably in like the, the 15 to 20 range in terms of his prospect status as a Mariner. Um, you know, some guys called him kind of a flawed offensive player. Cause I think that, uh, he doesn't kind of catch up to the fastball as much, but, um, you know, still is only 23 years old. We'll turn 24 in, in the winter sometime, but I think he has a good chance to be in kind of an everyday every, I would say maybe an average average, maybe a quad a, maybe a little bit more kind of second baseman for, for the Mariners at some point. Um, maybe even this year, but Mike most likely, you know, in 2024. Um, I, 
I think we, like I said, I think we saw him at the Futures game. I don't remember what he did. I'm excited to see what happens with him. Hopefully he doesn't turn into another shed long type player. You know, hopefully he turns into something that's a little bit better. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to see how he finishes the season. And it will be interesting, you know, come next season where he sits, um, you know, where he enters, if he does enter the Mariners uh, top 25 prospects. So with all that being said, Bill, do you have anything else for our listeners before we get out of here? Uh, that's it for me tonight. Alrighty. Alrighty. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest and beyond. Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week.